0: All right. What is up, all you good, beautiful, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation? It's your host, Bryce Paul, and we have a special announcement. Uh, If you guys have been tuning in, you will know that we have the Crypto 2020 Summit that we are hosting. Uh, This is going to be January 29th to January 31st. We got over 60 of the biggest, baddest speakers in crypto presenting on their projections for 2020, what their projects are going to be doing, all sorts of fun forecasts. It's going to really be amazing. And the best part of it all is it's free and it is online. So, go ahead to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free ticket. And we hope to see you there. All right. What is up, good citizens of Crypt Nation? It is Bryson Pizza Mind here, as always. And today we are joined by somebody that I'm sure you guys all know one way or another. At least I hope you do. Um, the very first exchange I ever traded on. Uh, the CEO of Bittrex, Bill Shahara. Welcome to Crypto 101.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, that's actually pretty exciting that uh, we were your first exchange.
0: You truly were. You truly were. It was. Uh, I was deciding between Bittrex and Poloniex. And this was the end of 2016. You know, before the run up, I think you know, Bitcoin was maybe about 800 bucks or high sevens. And uh, I, I, I got some recommendations by a gentleman and he said, oh yeah, Bittrex or Poloniex. So I went over to Bittrex. And I was like, all right, this one looks cool. I like the colors. <laughs> so, and you had, you had more options too.
1: Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And, um, you know, I uh, <laughs> it's crazy because I drew the short straw when we were deciding what each of the founders was going to do as we were building Bittrex. And um, I had zero experience. Actually, none of us had any experience writing web pages or building websites or anything like that. So I had to learn everything on the fly. So it actually still kind of warms my heart when people will say to me, like, they really liked Bitrix's UI from back in the day, because I can assure you, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, was what were you,
0: wh- how'd you get into crypto? What were you doing before and kind of what drew you to the industry?
1: Well, the three of us, um, Richie, Rami, and I, the three founders of Bitrix, we all worked in cybersecurity in one form or the other. Um, So we started out at Microsoft together where I did, uh, I guess what's commonly called like penetration testing, where I would go and test the security of a variety of different products um, across Microsoft. And Richie and Rami started what was called the internet crimes division. So uh, they were out there catching bad guys on the internet. So you can imagine like we were like super deep security geeks. And then in 2011, something like Bitcoin comes along where it has this really fascinating um, security technology around it. You know, this this whole idea that decentralization can make a database stronger and more resilient. Um, So that was fascinating to us as a security concept. And uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, Richie and I played a lot of online poker at the time. Then you kind of look at trading and you say, well, that's kind of interesting as well. So the way we got into it in 2011 is Richie and I cobbled together a whole bunch of computer parts, and we started mining Bitcoin in Richie's garage. And if you can imagine what that was like at the time, you know, completely different than how it is today. We would go onto Craigslist, and we'd be sourcing uh, high-end graphics cards off of Craigslist, and I'd drive out to a parking lot in the middle of the night, hand somebody an envelope of cash... And hope to God he wasn't going to kill me and actually give me graphics cards.
0: Oh and my so, gosh, that sounds intense. Yeah, so that's what Classic. it was like in
1: 2011, and so like really, you know, really fascinating and interesting at the time. And we were they're
0: they're, pro- they're probably like, what do you want with my graphics cards? <laughs> and why are we meeting in a parking lot with cash? You no,
1: know, actually, this the the some of the people that we were buying graphics cards from actually knew exactly what we were doing, so they would downgrade their or they were upgrading their graphics cards. And the ones that they had been using for six months they 'd sell off to people like us
0: oh, that makes sense, and and
1: so they were actually very well aware of what we were doing so um, eventually, Richie and I got i think it was like two hundred bitcoins each from mining, and uh, that broke us even so you know he had like a li- we had a little bit more than two thousand dollars worth of bitcoin each, but obviously. The exchange space wasn't the way it was today, so it's very difficult to even cash out of your Bitcoin or whatever. So we're holding, and uh, you know, and still mining. And then one day, the price of Bitcoin crashes to this point where, like my, you know, the the twenty two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin is now worth less than two hundred dollars. And I remember telling Richie, "I think this is a fad. You know, this is this is done. I'm not interested in doing it anymore. What a big waste of time this was." Wow. And um, and so, you know, that was 2011. And about a year and a half later, um, Richie's gone off to go work at Amazon. I'm, I'm now working at BlackBerry, you know, still doing computer security stuff. And Richie messages me uh, out of the blue and says, hey, do you still have that Bitcoin? And uh, I said, no, long gone. You know, like a good security guy. I did the NSA uh, wipe of my hard drive before I threw it into the landfill. So my private, private key is no. completely gone.
0: No, Bill, and, uh, and so Richie says me. to
1: me, Hey, uh, so Bitcoin's about to hit a thousand dollars each. And, uh, and, and so, what, what you feel at when somebody tells you something like that is, Yeah, like I, I got that, like you just got that uh, cold sweat uh, running down my back and that adrenaline spike where you feel like you're going to throw up. And, uh, and so, you know, it took me a few hours to recover, like get my brain back into a healthy state. And, uh, and then Richie and I sat down and we started thinking about, like, well, how do, we, how do we get back into this? Because it was impossible to mine, right? You, you needed ASICs and you needed a lot of them. Um, and, you know, how do, we, how do we just get back into this thing? And what we started to look at was around 20, you know, 2013, people were really aggressively playing with the Bitcoin code base. That we really started to see people trying to innovate on it where they were changing the encryption algorithm or playing with the money supply, playing with inflation rates, like really trying to see what, what could happen if you took you know, Bitcoin's original concept and slowly started to tweak it. And so you start to see tons of different coins being traded on exchanges. And what we quickly realized as we were looking at the space was that, and, and this will show you like how little I know about anything, but you know, I, I remember us having that conversation. It's like, well, I think Bitcoin's done anyway. So why don't we start looking at other cryptos? Uh, there's no possible way Bitcoin could be worth more than $1,000 each. So we then started looking at a whole bunch of other cryptos. And uh, as we start to look at the space, one thing became pretty apparent was that this was like right before Gox got hacked. But we were pretty sure that, that nobody in the space had security right. And that when you think about crypto and the irreversibility of the transactions, crypto was the thing that everybody needed to get right. And, and so we thought we could develop something that, uh, and we didn't re- exactly know what it was, but you know, we started incubating this idea that we could put our security skills into play and really offer some service to the entire industry. So eventually what we hit upon was uh, building an exchange. And the reason we went with building an exchange was, you know, we knew we could put our security skills to uh, to the test, but we also thought that the way we were going to be successful in blockchain was to create our own blockchain. But at the time, and we'd spent you know a good three to six months thinking about it, we just couldn't figure out how to create our own blockchain. We just didn't know like what our hook would be. So we said, you know what, let's just build an exchange, and as long as it breaks even. We'll just keep it going. It'll let us see all the innovation in the space, and maybe that innovation would inspire us to our own blockchain projects. So luckily, uh, maybe, we just never got to that next step. Bittrex ended up being um, something that I think our customers felt was needed in the industry and uh, was, you know, by most measures, I think, a successful business. And so um, you know, it's been... Five and a half years, a little bit more than five and a half years now. And, and, you know, Bittrex is still going and it's still growing.
3: Here in the United States, when we think of exchanges, pretty much the first thing that comes to mind for people is Bittrex. You guys are like an American icon of exchanges, basically. And it's, it's really funny, like you guys kind of decided, oh, we're going to open up a fruit stand. And it grew into, you know, what's now Knott's Berry Farm, yeah. of crypto exchanges. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, we were really caught by surprise as well. But um, you know, for us, it really comes back to you know many of the things that we embrace about uh, you know our, our core philosophies around this business. You know, we we really believe in innovation in the blockchain space, and that you know our mission, if we're doing our jobs right, is to find the latest and greatest blockchain technologies and make sure that we can secure uh, that we can support it on our platform. And you know, and, and then the other aspect of this is always making sure that we're doing right by our customers, that their funds are always secure, that they can trade on Bittrex and feel uh, not just comfortable about it, but um, actually confident. And so, you know, we we take that uh, extremely seriously every day. And, uh, you know, we're just thankful that, uh, you know, we, we're just thankful that our customers trust us the way that, that they do.
0: Yeah. No, uh, I I could definitely attest to that. Never had an issue on the platform and always great customer support. And you guys are always, you know, timely with your tweets of when you guys are going to have service and wallet maintenance and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to you guys. Um, you know, I'm curious about like, if you zoom out your, your, uh, your big vision for crypto or for blockchain or for Ethereum, even like, you know, if crypto succeeds what does the world really look like, and, and what is that time frame that you're really thinking about? So, I think if crypto succeeds
1: and we're going to hit you know giant market caps for the entire industry, what I'm expecting to see is that everybody's using blockchains and they don't know that, um, that we've solved the usability hurdle uh, of using blockchains and that you know they become. So ubiquitous, but also just a fundamental technology that app developers are always considering as they're developing new services for their users. And so I imagine there'll be a world where my mom is using blockchains in her apps and just never realizing it at all.
0: That's amazing. And the blockchains, beyond just, um, you know, as a store of value currency, you're talking about, you know, maybe decentralized identity or what other kinds of things are you talking about that we could see?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, there's, I think we've only scratched the surface of how blockchains can be used. Um, you know, obviously the most uh, important right now and probably the most famous use case of blockchain is Bitcoin, but there are quite a few other ways that you can use blockchains. Um, you know, you mentioned Ethereum, obviously their smart contract network and the way that you can do distributed computing with it. Um, I think that's a very powerful concept. Um, we're seeing other types of innovation like this where you could do uh, distributed file storage where um, you're trusting a decentralized network of users across the world to help you secure your files and your you know your music your images rather than a centralized source like an Amazon or uh, Microsoft you know beyond that like uh, other things that I love to see in terms of innovation uh, you know some of these are old projects, but I really want to I, I really think that they're uh, undervalued, but something like a cure coin where the, um, part of the quote unquote, mining and proof of work is that you're doing gene folding or protein folding. And so you're contributing, you're, you're using your idle computing power to contribute, to essentially contribute to the human race and you get rewarded for that via token or um, something interesting like uh steam it where uh, you know, it, it's you're, you're paying or the network is paying you for your participation in the network. And I think those kinds of things are extremely uh, powerful concepts. And But again, they're just scratching the surface of what can be done through decentralization and through blockchains.
3: I completely agree. Yeah. Both those projects are very revolutionary and maybe just a little bit ahead of their time, but I hope uh, many more developers and bright minds use them as a blueprint for what can be. Uh, Just to uh, tangent for a little bit, it's not often that we get a security expert of your caliber on the show. So if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your security best practices with our listeners, maybe not just for custodying their crypto, but for protecting their computers from uh, ransomware that steals their crypto or tries to grab their private keys when they're being pasted.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as I mentioned, um, security is number one you know, when we think about uh, our customers. So um, we do have, like, if you go to support.bitrix.com, you know, one of the first links you'll see is just clear guidance for users on how to secure their account and take advantage of all the features that we support in Bitrix to help them secure it. Um, And, and, you know, because we don't just rely on people finding that by accident, we do tweet it out periodically and and make sure that customers are aware. But, um, you know, I, I think the big thing that, people should be absolutely concerned about is, uh, the over-reliance on your, your phone that, um, you know, you, you have to, you have to realize, I think there's a lot of articles covering this, but you have to realize that your incentives for the security of your phone are not the same incentives of the phone company. And, and so, um, it is entirely possible for, um, your whole life, not just your crypto, but your entire life to, to, uh, you know, to be disrupted uh, because you're going to lose access to your phone. And so I, I think that's one of the things that people still seem to be surprised by, but it's something that everyone should be aware of. So it's something that I think about all the time. And uh, and I think users just need to be aware of it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I when people are buying crypto, a lot of them are buying these things as you know, investment vehicles for better or for worse. They see all the headlines. They're like, "Oh, Bitcoin went up, you know, 300% or 20, 20X, whatever last year. Um, And th- they buy them as investment vehicles, but they don't, a lot of the times they don't really know what they're buying. So do you view these as investment vehicles? Or, I mean, when somebody's buying crypto, what do they get? Mm-hmm. Like with stocks or bonds or gold, you could understand you're getting a commodity or dividends or fixed income or something. But with crypto, what really is
1: it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I do agree that there's some segment of uh, the user base that does view these things as investments. But when I look at crypto, and when I think about, you know, what people are purchasing, I go back and look at the utility, what you're paying for is access to whatever service that network is providing you. And, and I think that's, um, I think that's Becoming more and more common now as many of the crypto use cases are becoming deployed, right? In, in 2016 and 2017, a lot of people raised money on white papers and didn't have, uh, didn't necessarily have the full utility of their platform, but we're starting to see people deploy things now to get access and use that platform. You need to get access to the token.
0: No, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Oh, that's awesome, and and also this is kind of a roundabout question, but um, if the token has like dividends attached to it, that means it's a security, right? Well,
1: so I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give a definitive answer on that. Um, uh, what I can say is that the you know the the SEC's rules are extremely complicated, and I think any before anyone wants to. Add a dividend to their token. They should consult very smart lawyers in the space.
0: One hundred percent. And actually, that's probably a good segue. I imagine it's quite difficult to run an American crypto exchange. Um, Did you foresee all of this, you know, regulatory, you know, confusion and stuff when you first started it? And you know when you start, when you opened up you know the jurisdiction in uh, in america did, like did you realize that this was going to be a challenging dur- jurisdiction I think so
1: um, if you think about um, i mean look it, it it there's no way to say that it isn't challenging but I think the rewards are there if you if you get this right um,
0: okay that makes a lot of sense um, no I agree with that it's uh it's a big piece of the pie, uh, you know, America in regards to, you know, retail money or institutional money and all that kind of stuff. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, Uh, You could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money, and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at eToro.com slash crypto101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them, and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way. Etoro is crypto trading made easy. All right, back to the show. So, why don't we talk about the grand vision for Bitrex? And I kind of have a series of questions here. Um, you know, you know, start with the grand vision. But is, are you guys ever going to have a dex? Are you guys going to have a coin? Are there going to be derivatives? Are you guys having security tokens? What's the roadmap look like for the next couple of years? Sure.
1: So, I think one of the things that uh, your viewers might be surprised by is that. Bitrix is a services company. We started as an exchange based in the United States, and we still operate that exchange. But when I think about my CEO hat, I'm really the CEO of two different companies. One company is a U.S.-based exchange. The other company, which is where we devote most of our resources, is a platform company that allows other people to build solutions on the blockchain. I had no idea. And uh, and, and so you know the the way that this manifests itself right now is. Um, we have a lot of people who build their own crypto exchanges all on top of Bitrix infrastructure. And uh, what they get is our, um, you know, extremely high performance um, matching engine and trading platform alongside all of the security that we have to uh, uh, for blockchains. And, uh, and of course the broad support of blockchains uh, that we have as well. And like a, a good concrete example of this is Bitrix Global. so Bitrix Global is regulated in Liechtenstein. It is an independent company with its own board of directors, its own executives that licenses the bitrix name and uses all of our technology and uh, what's awesome about it is that because they're regulated by Liechtenstein and they only take non u s customers, what they're able to do and innovate out there in Liechtenstein um, you know they can support over 100 more tokens um, in Bittrex Global than we would support in the United States and Bittrex United States. Um, we also have uh, tons of exchange partners in a lot of other jurisdictions uh, from Korea to Hong Kong um, to you know multiple places in South America. We have a partner in um, Africa or South Africa. We've got um, multiple partners in Europe. So, you know, Bitrex's technology is being used in a lot of different places, and it's not just the um, what people would consider to be the traditional exchange technology. If you think about, um, like, a my best uh, one of my best friends runs a a company called Unicorn, and uh, they're an esports gambling company, and they're really the leaders in their field. But what they're able to enable using Bitrex technology is you can deposit multiple types of digital currencies on their platform. And they will convert those digital currencies like through a casino cage into their own native currency. But when you want to withdraw, you can withdraw on their currency or you could withdraw on Ripple, you could withdraw on Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever they support. And so you know, we, we allow them access to a ton of different blockchains that their user base may want to, um, to be able to deposit or withdraw from their system. And it allows them... Uh, And so without them spending a lot of time understanding all those wallets, understanding the unique security complexities for each of those uh, services, they instead can just use our API to build that solution uh, for their users.
3: So that's really fascinating. It's basically an exchange as a service model that you (coughs) guys are offering. And uh, you mentioned Liechtenstein.
2: Get started today at TrilifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. ...which just recently passed the Blockchain Act,
3: which is very, very favorable. It provides lots of clear guidelines, and hopefully um, Liechtenstein is a very well-respected jurisdiction for corporations and financial services to be based in. So hopefully uh, there will be many, many more countries uh, copying similar um, frameworks
1: to that? No, we've started to see a lot of movement in that direction. So it's not just Liechtenstein, but Malta, Singapore, and of course, like what I think everyone's bullish about is China. There are a lot of jurisdictions around the world where they're starting to pass favorable and smart regulation that uh, really provides a good framework for innovators in space.
0: Yeah, since we're on the topic of China, I mean, what's your take on the whole... Uh you know, not really the Hong Kong, China uh, riots and all that kind of stuff, but in regards to the President Chi's statements that, you know, blockchain should be on the, um, you know, everybody's agenda. And it's a, you know, a, a mandate from the top of the food chain that, you know, blockchain needs to be a, a big focus of corporations in China. And then literally, you know, minutes after we saw Bitcoin pump, you know, it's it's sixth biggest day in history, it's fourth biggest day in history or something a 40%. Thing so, do you think that that was just a coincidence, or how are you viewing the Chinese um, factor here?
1: The reason I think China's um, China's announcements around crypto are very bullish is if you look at China um, as the superpower that they are, they they have multiple areas where they're really trying to lead in uh, the next generation technology that's going to change our planet, right? Whether it's uh, AI. or or blockchain or 5G, like they're out there um, really trying to dominate what the technology landscape is going to look like. And so it's not surprising to me that they have a similar view that we do, that blockchain 100%. can change the world. And if you're China and you know that's inevitable, why not embrace it? Why not control the development of it and the innovation? So um, that's why... I think it's a it's a it's a really strong play for them. I think that it's going to foster a lot of innovation and I also think that it's going to spur um more government action not just in the United States but across the world to respond and compete with that. So I see China stepping uh you know stepping out there and making this announcement as being a huge benefit of the indus- for the industry.
0: I I completely agree and you know I, that kind of brings me to my next question so you know what is the worst possible thing that you could imagine uh, happening to the crypto world? In other words, something that could just bring us all down to zero. Everything goes away. Bitcoins worth zero. Ethereum's done. Could you ever imagine a situation like that?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's uh, the thing that we've been talking a little bit about, which is uh, overregulation, and it's not overregulation by one country. It's potential overregulation by many countries. Right. If, if a if a consortium uh, of the major economic powers in the world decide that they don't want blockchain to exist or to be supported, then it very quickly goes to the fringe. And I think that's something that could really uh, make things difficult for uh, us in the blockchain space, especially someone like Bittrex, who really cares about working with regulators and, and having smart regulation out there, uh, as well as... Um, you know, our commitment to compliance.
0: And then on the flip side of that, what's the best thing that you could imagine happening to crypto? In other words, that could bring us to, you know, a 10 or a hundred trillion dollar market cap within the next, you know, five, 10 years.
1: Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, as as we were talking about earlier, like the big, the big lift for crypto is really going to come when uh, everyone's grandma can use it.
3: Yeah, I completely agree all these pieces are being built all over the world. And I'm always wondering if you put them together, what's the big, the biggest thing that we could actually build in crypto. Some people are saying potentially entire digital nation states that people could subscribe to at will. Um, Do you have any huge far reaching idea of what maybe all these blockchain and crypto pieces could
1: possibly build in the 10, 20 years down the line? Well, I hadn't heard that one about, you know, entirely digital nation, but I actually don't even think we're that far away from that. Um, You know, most money already is digital. Um, If, as you start to start to look at, um, you know, the, just the overall landscape of everything becoming digital and moving online, you start to realize that actually everything that, almost everything that you own um, it probably has some digital form attached to it as well. So, I actually think it's not that far fetched that, um, you know, we could see countries that are entirely digital on the blockchain. So that would be very awesome, you know. But I, but I actually think the real I it think seems really- what could be a real asset for, you know, for blockchain is just the fact that you know participants of any blockchain can be from anywhere around the world. You know, and and so I think there's always, uh, you know, ways for us to, you know, to to build walls and separate from each other, but having something as powerful as the blockchain connecting all these people uh, around the world, I think it's something that you know we really don't stop to look at that often. I think it's I think it's an extremely powerful thing that uh, you know all these people around the world who uh, don't even have to know or care about each other, uh, really get together. And it's that decentralization that makes something like Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the major blockchains strong.
3: Yeah, definitely. I really feel like in the year 2020, the big buzzword is going to be interoperability. And being able to not just have to choose one currency or another or one platform or another, but you just choose whatever front end app gives you the best experience or customer service. And that becomes the competing metrics and all the stuff just happens under the hood. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that next year. And I'm also seeing a lot of uh, companies really shift to the mindset of building an ecosystem rather than a product. So, and not just a suite of products, but really an entire fleet including digital identity, custody, blockchain, exchange, all these different things where, you know, they could potentially compete with a Facebook and all their apps and and potentially even get a head start as Libra appears to be, you know, really stuck in the mud. So it's really interesting seeing all this go on uh, all over the world. You have Neo, uh, you have crypto.com, you have Eternity, Skycoin even, all these different things that uh, could potentially, you know, you could have a whole world just unto that with different name services, different identity platforms. It should be really, really interesting to see uh, how many more players decide to get into this game.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, as we um, as the industry matures, um, people are starting to get clearer ideas around what services are needed on blockchains to make DApps become successful. And and you, yeah, we're going to see a world where. Um, you know anything that you could get in a traditional API that you might pay AWS for, you'll be able to. You'll be able to get that through a blockchain and potentially multiple blockchains.
0: Um, kind of changing gears real quick uh, towards the whole security token model. Um, do you think that these, you know, these are viable and that the value proposition that they offer is actually attractive? And it's just kind of top of mind. I listened to a podcast the other day between Laura Shin and Spencer Bogart from Blockchain Capital. And, you know, they did one of the first security token offerings, maybe it was two, two and a half years ago for the BCAP token. And he, he was basically saying that he's like, he was hinting at like, he's a little bearish on the security token model, because he realized that, you know, the, t- the speed to liquidity wasn't necessarily something that people really cared about and that it was kind of just clunky. Like, do you have an opinion on security tokens? I do. So I think um, maybe like just at a higher level than a
1: security token, I think we can all agree that blockchains provide efficiency, can provide efficiency to the financial system. And so if you go with that framework where um, you know that it helps make back offices and record keeping and transparency um, that much easier to achieve as a financial business, you can start to see that stos do make sense you know there are like right now um, as a if you're a pre IPO company and you're trying to keep track of all the shares and options that you're issuing to your uh, to your employees and to your shareholders most people like most startups keep track of that on a spreadsheet and you can make mistakes, you could mistakenly input something, or you could um, forget to grant somebody their option, even though you have a legal contract that said you're supposed to grant them the option and so you could quickly see how a lightweight smart contract here would make things super easy for you to keep track of um, the shares of your company right and and, that, and that's just a small use case, but I think. I think that starts to scale as you start moving uh, towards bigger and bigger companies. There's potentially like really interesting things like, imagine um, if retail users were earning shares instead of like, let's say airline miles. So instead of earning airline miles, you're earning shares of the company, right? Oh, that's brilliant. And now this is tracked on a blockchain and the next time an airline does something bad, like it treats a customer horribly, or it does something that you know, users may find um, unappealing, you might see the price of their stock dump. Or you and and you could track it in relative performance to, like say, another airline, where people are trying to get out of their miles from one service and get into the miles of another service. Um, or in this case, the stock of one service into the stock of another service. And, and so the, I think the speed and efficiency at which that can happen, um, blockchain can do that better. So, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty bullish about the STO market in general, but I think it's going to, like, I think a lot of things, it's going to take time. You know, the STOs are, by their definition, um, strongly regulated by the SEC, uh, which means that the SEC needs to be extremely comfortable about every STO that's issued, as well as uh, every venue that it traded in. And so this, I think, is where there's a balance between uh, heavy-handed regulation and smart regulation, right? Um, how committed is the SEC to helping a few vanguards in a, innovate in this space and help them uh, realize what, the, what smart, supportive regulation will look like. So, um, but things are happening. I think things are moving. And, uh, you know, we'll start to see a lot of interesting things happen and, and that's a us based, I think, uh, view, but in other jurisdictions, I think STOs are going to happen a lot sooner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Bill, before we let you go, we, we've got a couple of uh, questions for you, a little bit more personal, just to get some color into who you are and kind of what makes you tick. Um, you, you know, I, I'm always curious to know. Who you look up to in the space and somebody who has maybe made a really positive academic impression on you or a business uh, impression on you. Who's one person that you really admire and what is an experience that you could share with us uh, with that person?
1: Well, uh, you know, that's super hard to pick one person. Uh, Oh, I know. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll throw out a couple couple names because uh, one thing that I think people don't realize is that. Uh, Seattle has like quite a uh, strong cryptocurrency slash blockchain ecosystem, and so you know a good friend of mine I, I mentioned earlier is Rahul Sood. He's the CEO of Unicorn, and uh, I've got a, another friend Simon Yu, who is uh, the founder and CEO of Storm. And what I love about both of these individuals is that they're willing to do the hard work, right? Like I think everyone. Mm-hmm you know in in the whole like run up where people's white papers are raising like hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever um, you know in in that world you know the moral hazard is super high right that that somebody just walks away with the money or when it gets too difficult to build their solution they just give up and uh, these are guys who took the hard route they they work they're they're still working their asses off but they're getting great legal advice they're working with strong advisory teams. Um, they're just trying to make sure that their businesses are absolutely legitimate. And so for me, that's a just a. It's uplifting to see these people fighting that fight as well, because that's really the ethos of Bitrix. That, you know, we 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 have a strong commitment to uh, compliance, and doing things right for uh, ourselves, uh, our for our customers. And I. Uh, I have this kind of saying that I use often, which is, you know, what's good for blockchain is good for Bitrix, And so, you know, they also think that way about their own respective companies and they're always thinking about the long term. So, you know, those are guys that I, you know, I couldn't say enough good things about the two of them. Um, you know, great people.
3: What is one company that you think is going to have the greatest impact on the crypto space? And maybe for legal reasons, you can't say anyone that's listed on the Bittrex <clears throat> platform already, but uh, what's one company where you always you're reading their news or their Twitter? and You're like, yes, these guys have it figured
1: out, right? I mean, you mean besides us, right? Well, of course,
3: you can't choose yourself.
1: <laughs> so, um, I, so I so I mentioned Storm and UKG. I think you know they're both doing great work in in getting uh, more users to blockchain. Um, but I would say like someone who. Someone that I like as kind of a pure infrastructure place, probably CoinMe. You know, they're they're out there getting um, customers uh, in supermarkets to be able to buy crypto. And that's super hard. But if you think about it, it's incredible, right? Like that's the way that we get mass adoption is if I can walk into uh, a Coinstar machine and instead of getting uh, a target gift card out of the Coinstar machine, I can instead request Bitcoin. And so they're doing a lot of work to get Bitcoin and other crypto into the hands of the average person out there.
3: Yeah, they're really doing great work. I hadn't even seen um, that they were partnered with Coinstar, but yeah, those things are everywhere. So yep. that's definitely a huge, huge piece of it. Great to point out. And then the last question we have is something we ask everyone because we always get different answers and it's, it's really interesting to me just to see all the different perspectives. So if this was the very first podcast that someone getting into crypto had listened to, what would you want them to know about becoming involved in this space? So, (laughs) Besides sign up for Bittrex.
1: (laughs) So something that I hear a lot, you know, being in the technology field is a lot of people saying to me, man, I wish I could have got in, in the early days of the internet. I really wish that I could have understood what was happening uh, more before it happened, because of all the opportunities that existed, you know, before Google existed, before Netflix existed, before Facebook existed, if I could have understood uh, what was happening with the Internet, maybe that could have been the thing that I built or the thing that I invested in or the thing that, um, you know, I got in early on. And so for me, we're still in the very early days of crypto. And that means that there's a lot of learning and growing that the industry needs to make. But it also means that there's a lot of opportunity for enterprising people to jump in and make a difference. And to me, that's, I think, the most exciting thing about being in blockchain right now. And um, that's what I would impress upon your users, that um, you're in this podcast because you're very interested in crypto. And... You should take advantage of that because there are very few times in your life where you're going to be on the leading edge of some technology that's going to change the world.
3: I couldn't agree more. And just to touch on that, it's not going to be too late for a very long time. There are so many things built on the internet that came 20 years later. There are so many things that will will be built on blockchain, you know, five, 10 years from now that are going to be revolutionary. You know, there are people that invested early in the internet with companies like Global Crossing or Concentric. Uh, They're probably still working right now. But if you got in early on Facebook or Netflix, uh, your life has been changed forever. So definitely pay attention to what's going on and what could be going on. But you have definitely not
1: missed the boat yet. That's right. And so I'll, I'll throw in a little bit of a plug here because, you know, one of the things that, again, we pride ourselves on with Bittrex is that... We are looking for all of the innovators in the space, no matter where they are, and we want to support them on our platform. So if we're doing our job right, we found every innovative blockchain idea and made sure that it was supported somewhere in our platform. Even if Bitrix in the United States can't trade it, it's going to be traded in Hong Kong or it'll be traded in Liechtenstein or somewhere across our network. People um, will have access to it. And so. Um, that's something that I'm particularly passionate about. You know, we got into this because we wanted to see and understand all of the innovation that was happening in the space. And that hasn't changed for us um, even five and a half years in.
0: Amazing. 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 Bill, I can't thank you enough so much for your time. Bittrex, Bill, as many of us know you as. Um, thank you so much. And, and where could the good people, Crypt Nation uh, follow you guys on Twitter?
1: Uh, you can follow us. Uh, our Twitter handle is Bittrex Exchange. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I've got, uh, I've got one thing for you guys. Ooh, let's hear it. So since you've been longtime time uh, users, how about you give the audience three
0: reasons why Bittrex should be their
1: exchange of choice?
0: Ah, perfect. Um, the first thing I would say is liquidity. Um, there's all, you know, if to get in and out of positions, uh, you'll be able to do that with little to no slippage, um you know, small, you know, sm- not necessarily massive positions. You're not trading a hundred Bitcoin or whatever on that. But if you're a little guy like me, um, definitely plenty of liquidity as, com- as compared to some of these other littler exchanges or the DEXs and stuff. So that was, that's one of the first things that stick out. Uh, the second thing is just the sheer amount of options that you could purchase uh, and trade against. There's all sorts of different base or, or cross pairs. Um, so that's the other one i'm I'm gonna give you four bill uh <laughs> the third one is the security. you guys have all the multi factor authentication um which makes me feel really comfortable and the, the fourth bonus one is just your guys's communication and your guys's support um, you could always count on you know support tickets being answered extremely promptly and you could always uh count on you know a, a tweet uh if some something is going on in the platform that people should know about so you guys always get a 10 out of 10 in my book.
1: Well, I really appreciate that. And we're going to keep trying to work our asses off.
3: And I, mean, I would just add one thing to that. It, also, the longevity that you guys have been around. You know, Not many exchanges have had the long track record of success, of legitimacy, of um, being honest and not being involved in wash trading or other nefarious activities. And Bittrex has always been above board. So that's uh, one thing
1: you can really tip your cap to as well. Thanks guys, like I really appreciate it. This has actually been a ton of fun for me.
0: Amazing, I'm glad you had fun. And and, uh, you could count on coming back on uh, whenever you want. If you guys have big announcements or whatever, uh, this was a pure joy for us. So uh, without further ado, Bill, I'll let you go. You got a big day ahead of you, I'm sure. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, thanks a lot guys.
0: Crypt Nation, just a friendly neighborhood reminder to go to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free conference pass to the online summit, Crypto 2020 Summit. We got 60 speakers who are giving their bold predictions for prices and bold predictions for uh, technological developments in this crazy crypto space. So if you want to be the first to know the big news and you want to make sure that you're in touch and in tune, go to Crypto2020summit.com right now and register for free.
1: This is the story of the one.